Ladies and gentlemen, it's Sunday night here on Vertical Radio, which means it's time to turn off the distractions, pull out a pen and paper, and get ready to learn from some of the best of the best leaders around the world. On this show, you'll hear from CEOs, business owners, entrepreneurs, pastors, coaches, inventors, athletes, influencers, and many other types of leaders. They all live in different places and come from different backgrounds. But the one thing they all have in common is that they'll invite you to follow them as they follow Jesus. And now, introducing your host. Here's Matt Mizell. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Leader Worth Following. This is Matt Mizell, and today on the show we have a special guest. Perhaps you have gone through the Bible study at one point in your life, or maybe heard of the Bible study called Experiencing God. The guy who wrote that is a guy named Henry Blackaby, and it's one of the best-selling Bible studies of all time, so much to the point where Experiencing God became its own organization. Henry Blackaby's son, Richard Blackaby, has since taken over the organization, and in this episode he's agreed to come on and share his insight and two cents as far as how to to be a leader worth following. So I'm pleased to introduce to you Richard Blackaby. Well, thanks, man. Where are you right now? Where does God have you in your career as it relates to leadership? Well, right now, I'm actually the president of Blackaby Ministries International. It's based in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, My father started that ministry. Uh, I had been a pastor of a church, and then I'd been the president of a seminary in Canada for 13 years. Uh, and But I was doing a lot of writing, a lot of speaking with my dad, and ultimately just felt led to come and take over leading his ministry. And it's a ministry that uh, really focuses a lot on helping people to experience God in their life and also just to recognize where, what God's agenda is for their business or their church or their family and how to move people onto God's agenda. And so that takes me around the world, uh, teaching and speaking in all kinds of venues and uh, different kinds of uh, settings. Uh, pastors, business leaders, um, and uh, all kinds of denominations, and uh, really kind of an exciting thing to see God at work all around the world. Yeah. So you have quite the resume. You just rattled off a bunch of things as it relates to leadership. You're the president of BMI, you said? Yeah. Blackaby Ministries International, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So with all these different things, your experience as a pastor, your experience with a seminary, uh, did you always know that you were interested in leadership development, or is that something that kind of God put on your heart in, in uh, your earlier years growing up, or is that something that just recently in the last uh, few years that God has placed on your heart? You know, it's something I think, I guess, in one way or another, it was always a part of my life. I'm the firstborn of, of five kids, and uh, just I followed the stereotype of a firstborn. Uh, it just seemed like uh, we were always in some kind of setting where there needed to be leadership. It might just might just be a bunch of bored kids in our neighborhood all sitting around bored, and I would just feel like, well, let's do something. Let's <laughs> let's start a football game. Let's start a hide-and-seek game. Let's, let's do something. And I ended up being the organizer just pretty well everywhere. I went, and it wasn't really that I had a need to be in charge. I wasn't trying to be the boss. I just didn't want to. I, I just saw such possibilities. We're all sitting around bored. Let's let's organize ourselves and do something fun. And so, even when I was a kid, I would do that. But uh, as I got older, it just seemed like everywhere I went, there was just this dearth of leadership where people were suffering because someone wasn't leading. And uh, certainly, becoming a parent, having three kids of my own, I realized I couldn't afford to get this wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the greatest leadership role I've ever had has been a parent, and and I just realized what it would cost my kids if uh, I didn't do it well. And so, uh, and then I've just as I've gotten older, I've just seen whether it's a church, whether it's a business, whether it's a country, uh, when you lead poorly, people suffer. And so it's made me very, very passionate about trying to help people lead well. 
And, you know, I, I, people all the time say, well, Richard, I, I'm doing the best I can. And I, my response has been, that's not always good enough. Uh, you need to do God's best, not your best. And hmm. your best, I've discovered, is, has, my own best has not been good enough many times. And so that just, over the years, it just really intensified within me a desire to help people lead at, at the level God has for them. And that usually means stretching ourselves, but it also means being able to bless people to a degree we never imagined. Mm-hmm. There's a couple things that you mentioned, Richard, uh, about people suffering when there's when there's no leadership. Uh, I want to dig into that. You mentioned even yeah. some some failures. I want to dig into that a little bit more. But one of the things you just struck me or struck when when you were speaking is you, you mentioned the leadership began for you as a kid when you would organize a, a pickup football game, and yeah. and when there's an absence of leadership, there's oftentimes opportunities to to step in those those leadership you know voids. Uh, and that's what kind of it sounds like it sparked for you is when there's been leadership voids, you've had a desire to fill that. Uh, so yeah. my question is, do you feel as though that's an is that a God given passion for you? Is it because you recognized a void? Therefore, somebody's got to step up or do you feel like uh, people are born with that inclination to become those leaders? You know, I think it's, it's both. I think uh, I, certainly God wired me that way so that, um, I, like, I, again, I, I don't need to emphasize, it's never been about just me. It's uh, there, there are people that are born leaders that, like, I, I can follow perfectly fine. You know, you put me, you, you assign me to a, a good leader, and he tells me, okay, I need you to do this, 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 and have it done by this, this time. That's great. I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll get it done, you know, and uh, thanks for giving me the assignment. I'll, and I, I don't have to be in charge. But if I'm in a gathering where nobody's leading, where everyone's kind of standing around looking at each other, wondering what's going to happen, well, then that, that drives people like me crazy. Uh, mm. You know, if, if no one is going to lead, then I'll step up and say, well, look, we, maybe we could do this. So what if we did that? And the next thing I know, everyone's looking to me saying, okay, what do you want me to do? And and, and we're off to the races. And so, you know, I, there, there's a part of me that is just wired that way. And there are some people that are wired to lead. Um, and that's just the way God gifted them to mobilize people and inspire them. But then also, if you just look at the Bible and you look at history, uh, that's how God works. Every time God wants to do something, every time there's a need in society or in the church, God always raises up a leader. That's just every every time in the Bible that God wants to work, he raises up. It might be a Gideon, it might be a Moses, someone that doesn't even see themselves as a leader, but it, it doesn't matter. God just chooses to do it that way. And so sometimes it's just that there's a need, and... God wants to step in. God wants to make a difference. And so God looks and finds someone that's available on, on, on scene. And, uh, he says, okay, I'm going to use you. And, uh, so you may not even feel like you're gifted that way. Uh, some of the best work that's ever been done has been by people that didn't feel qualified, yeah. but they were God's person. And so God, they were willing to, to take a step of faith and that God use them. And so God did amazing things to them. So, you know, it's some of us were wired that way. We we just naturally fall into that. Other times we're not looking for that. We 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 don't want to do that, but it becomes obvious. But that's what God's calling us to do. Yeah, it, it reminds me of Isaiah, where we we see, you know, here I am, Lord, use me. Uh, if yeah. there's if there's a vacancy, if there's a void, I'm I'm willing to step up. I'm willing to be used. However, so Richard, here's a question as a follow up to that. What if you have two people? who recognize the void around the same time and both have the mentality and the feeling as though, okay, God, here I am, use me, and you have two leaders stepping forward. 
do, does one just be submissive? Do you just say, okay, the other person's going to lead? Do you, is there a, a certain level of confidence to say, no, 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 I'm the one that's called to lead? How do you handle that when there's two chiefs, so to speak, that both feel like they should be the leader? Yeah, well, it, I mean, I, I guess the important qualifiers is, you know, uh, what is God, who does God want? You know, they may feel they both are called to lead, but maybe they're not. They aren't both called. <laughs> maybe, right. maybe one of them is called, and the other just thinks he is. So I'd say, <laughs> you know, uh, but but assuming that they both uh, are on scene and and uh, there's a need and. Uh, and so they both start to step in to try to fill the void. If they're really doing it with a, a servant's heart, uh, see, see, leader, leadership is all about solving problems um, and meeting needs. If, if if there were no needs, if there were no problems, you wouldn't need leaders. And so leadership is just about solving problems. That's what it is. That's why that, that's why there's such a difference between leadership and government, <laughs> politics. Politicians is all about holding office. Uh, leadership's about solving problems. Uh, and so that's why you can have a politician who's held office for 25 years and the problems are worse than they were when he was or she was elected. But if it's about solving problems, then two people both see a need at the same time, well, then they work together. It's not about office. It's not about who has the top job or the corner office. It's about, I feel God's put a burden on my heart to fix this problem. And so, um, you know, when, when I feel like two people that God has put both of them on site to be a part of the solution, that if they're both listening to God, it'll work itself out. Yeah. And if both people are dealing with it humbly, where it's not about them and their position, it's about getting a problem solved. Well, then both leaders will be grateful that they're not alone, that there's someone else that's actually gifted to help address the problem as well. And uh, there'll be a synergy there. And I've, I've known lots of business partners who, you know, two guys started a company, but one of them had to be the CEO. And so it was just a, it was almost a nominal thing. It's like, okay, well, why don't you be the CEO? I'll be the financial guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll talk about everything together. We'll, we'll work together. But, you know, as far as our business letterhead, we'll, we'll try to cover two bases. Yeah. And I've known lots of people who've done that. And maybe the other guy was really technically the number two guy, but, but the number one person ran everything past him and they, you know, mutually, collaboratively solved problems. So it was just a title of semantics. And so you can always tell if someone's really worried about well, who's actually in charge, then they're probably more concerned about title and position than about just solving a problem. Right. And, and you know, quite frankly, Richard, I think that's where many people, and from my vantage point, are wrong when it comes to leadership. Because what you're yeah. describing as leadership is an opportunity to serve. It's, as you're saying, you know, leadership is solving problems. But, but for many people, it is the corner office. It is having the title. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, you know, look at me and what I've achieved. So how do you, how do you really get that message through to leaders? I, I kind of refer to that as the curse of leadership. We've heard of the curse of knowledge where we, we feel like people understand what they're supposed to do when maybe we know more than when, what they do. Same thing with leadership. I think people are oftentimes, they're, they're given the opportunity to rise through the ranks. Maybe they become a manager or supervisor or CEO, but they haven't been trained proper leadership and whatever bad habits they've had maybe helped get them to where they're, they're going, but that's not good leadership. I resonate with what you're saying, Richard, that, that leaders should be servants. That's a biblical model. That's Jesus's model. But how do we get that through to people who have learned from a, uh, a poor example or they don't know that that's the best way to lead? 
Well, you know, you're right, and there's a lot of people that just have never been taught properly, so they, they've got a very distorted view. You know, it's funny, I do leadership conferences all around the world, and oftentimes it'll be advertised as a leadership conference. It might be for pastors or business leaders, and sometimes I'll even ask them, just right off the bat, how many of you see yourself as a leader? Well, rarely do even half the people raise their hand. And I'll say, well, what do you mean? Why, why do only half of you see yourself as leaders? Well, the problem is that, especially in Christian conferences, um, they feel like somehow that's bragging. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm somehow, if I raise my hand and say I'm a leader, it's like I'm saying I'm better than other people. And, mm-hmm. and I would say, well, then you don't understand what leadership is. Leadership's not about your self-worth. It doesn't make you more important of a person, more valuable person, because you hold a leadership role. That's, that's simply an assignment. That's just God just chose to assign you to have a leadership role to address a problem that people have, to turn a company around, to, to help a church start growing and reaching its community again. But it doesn't mean that you're somehow more important than someone else. You just have a different job, a different role. And so that, that always is indicative to me when people are almost embarrassed to admit that they're a leader because somehow it's like they're bragging. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, well, then you don't know what a leader is. If you knew what real leadership was, uh, it would humble you. Uh, you you would realize it's an act of service. Uh, and that's why also I, when people start to feel entitled, where hey, I've, I've been working at this job for 10 years, I should have been made the next CEO, or I should have had that management job. Uh, I deserve it. I've, I'm, I'm the senior member here. Well, then, again, it's someone that doesn't understand leadership. They think it's somehow an entitlement, or you put in your time, and then you get the leadership role, But whether you're gifted to be a leader or not. And so I'm always seeing people that have been promoted well beyond their leadership capacity. Uh, They're not made to be a top leader. I know a lot of pastors like that. They... Mm. Being, being the senior pastor pays better than being the associate pastor, so they go for the better paying job. Mm-hmm. But they're not senior pastor material. They, they, they're not primary leaders. And I know, I knew one uh, pastor was fired from four different churches and mm-hmm. just strict, not because of immorality or he, he did anything wrong. He just wasn't a good leader. And people would say, he's a really nice guy. He just can't lead. And yet, even after four times of being dismissed for the very same reason, he, uh, next time a senior pastor position was available, he was applying for it mm. because he was trying to get the best paying, most uh, respectable job. And I would say, well, you don't understand leadership. It's not about finding the job that pays the most or that has the most prominence. It's about how is God assigning you and how has he gifted you to contribute to the to solving a problem. It may be that you're really gifted to be an associate, a support role, you're no less important. You're just finding how God's wired you, and you're you're putting yourself where you can succeed. Yeah. Well, I, I've got one more question. We got to take a break. But uh, do you believe, Richard, that anybody can become a leader? Like the example you're talking about about the senior pastor who got fired four times and should be an associate. Could that guy perhaps learn how to lead, or is there just an, an ignorance, or is he just not wired for it? Do you think with the proper training he could get to that point, or is is he just not not the right guy? Well, you know, I, I think most people can. You can learn to lead. Um, I, I think some people are wired to do it. Some of, for some, they do, it just comes naturally. Like, I think that's been my case. But at the same time, uh, the, even if you're a born leader, you can certainly learn to be a much better leader. And that, But the problem is that a lot of those kind of guys, like the one I described, they were never seeking counsel. Hmm. They never took a class. They never read a book. 
They just, they just, in fact, when you asked the guy after he was fired from his fourth church, what happened? He said, well, I just never get any of the good churches. <laughs> you know, it's everybody else's I, fault. I say, well, uh, you know, in fact, I, one time I had someone say, talk about me and my brothers and my dad. They said, well, you know, we're not like the Blackabees who, who get the good, the good positions. Mm. And I said, you know what? I can't think of one job that my brothers, my dad and I got that was good when we got there. I said, we just made them good. Mm. <laughs> a few years, when we first got there, nobody else wanted the job. It, it was down to a handful. A few years later, it was a good position, but that's because God grew and made it healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this guy, these guys weren't teachable. Uh, and so the only, the only caveat I might give in terms of that, I, I think I, most people, if they are teachable, can become certainly better leaders than they are. The only only caveat I might have, just from my own years of experience, and then I'm kind of, uh, in some ways, embarrassed even to say it, but if you have people skills, you mm-hmm. can learn to be a better leader. I'm not convinced that it's very easy to teach people people skills. If you just if you just are constantly stepping on people's toes or saying ignorant, offensive things, and you don't even realize that you've just offended somebody, um, you probably don't want to be applying for a leadership job mm-hmm. because even taking a seminar on leadership is not going to help you. But if you have some basic people skills, I would say then you can learn to be a better leader. And that's, it's, it's rare that I'm not reading a book on leadership all the time and constantly think about leadership. Um, I think if you are a leader, you should be always immersing yourself in a leadership podcast, a leadership book of some kind, um, because you can become better if you keep working at it. If you don't have people skills, work on those first. Mm-hmm. And if you can ever master getting along with people, then then start studying leadership. Yeah, it's, it's hard to want to serve somebody if you don't care about the person you're serving. <laughs> yeah, and if you just keep offending. I've known people that just, they, 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 that empathy they just didn't, they didn't have it. They, they could not read their audience. It's the same as teaching. Teachers have to also be empathetic. Mm-hmm. There are teachers who are just boring the students to tears. And, and, but the good <laughs> teachers always, they can always tell, oh, I'm losing my class here. They're losing interest. I, 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 we need to change course here. I need to you know, change things up. Well, if you've got empathy, then you're always sensitive to what's going on with the people you're teaching or you're leading, and you make the adjustments. But if you don't have that empathy, that ability to connect with the feelings of those you're relating to, it's very hard to lead. You're you're like you're leading with with the blindfold on. You can't, you don't see the people. Mm. And so you don't know, there's no way to measure if you're being effective or not. Yeah. All right. Well, good stuff. We're going to take a quick break. We'll bring it back uh, in 60 seconds right after this. And we've got more with Dr. Richard Blackaby on Vertical Radio. You're listening to Leader Worth Following with Matt Mizell right here on Vertical Radio. Vertical Radio presents Leader Worth Following featuring Matt Mizell. Connect with Matt Mizell at leaderworthfollowing.com. All right, welcome back to Vertical Radio. This is Matt Mizell with Dr. Richard Blackaby on the line right now talking about leadership and how to become a leader worth following. And Richard, we were just talking about, uh, prior to the break, we're talking about how to to be a quality leader. You said one of the kind of prerequisites for becoming a leader is to be somebody who cares about people, to be empathetic, to be compassionate towards people. Uh, But I kind of want to dive in a little bit regarding the cost of poor leadership. What do you feel is at stake when you've got a person who doesn't lead well? What's at stake for the people whom that person, that, that man or woman is leading? 
when there's poor leadership or even toxic leadership at the top? Well, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I think it's God's plan. Whenever God wants to do something in a, a group, in, in people, he always raises up a leader to get it done. And so when a leader is not doing leading, doing what leading in a God-honoring way, that means that whatever God intended for those people, they're not getting. And mm. so uh, it always costs people. And in fact, that's one of the biggest uh, things that has just convicted me of late, is I, I have to keep growing because I, I, I can't give to others what I don't have myself. And if I'm not a good leader, then people are not going to get good leadership. And, and it will cost them because they won't get what they could have had. And so, you know, I, for instance, I, I know I work with a lot of pastors. Right now, about 70% of churches in America are plateaued or declining. Hmm. And uh, most of those decline, and about 4,000 churches every year are closing their doors right now. And if you, if you dissect those churches that are not growing, most of the time they are in a growing area demographically. There's all kinds of people they could be reaching. But the church has become completely out of touch with its neighborhood. It's, the demographics of the church doesn't match the neighborhood. It, the church has got problems that they've not confronted and dealt with. and they, They've not changed and kept up with the times. And that those are all leadership issues. And so you see a church that is just declining, plateauing, holding on, can't pay its bills. That's almost always a leadership issue. We, we tend to want to blame Satan, but oftentimes it's not Satan's fault, it's just bad leadership. We're blaming Satan for our bad leadership. Uh, and so I'd say, well, when you see a, a, a church that's dying in, the, in a neighborhood that's filled with young people and young families, do you realize how many people could have found Christ if that church had been vibrant and growing and led well? Mm. How many teenagers would have become Christians? How many marriages might have been saved? Um, how many prodigal kids would have stayed at home and gone to college if that church was reaching out and doing what it's supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Um, it costs people when we're not leading something well. And of course, as a parent, you, you, you see a family that's not led well by the parents. Um, they're not leading their children well. They're not staying on top of issues when they start to develop. They're not sensitive to changes and things going on with their kids. Uh, they don't relate to their kids well. They don't inspire them for the things that really matter. Um, it's going to cost those kids. I mean, a simple thing like reading. You look at success for kids, and when they've, they've done multiple, multiple studies, that kids who've done best in school are typically kids who grew up in homes where there's reading, there's books. Mm. So, I mean, something as simple as that. So yeah. parents don't like to read. They don't bother to get their kids any books. They don't encourage their kids to do their homework. Their kids are not going to succeed in school. That's just a basic leadership failure on the part of parents that will cost their kids. That's why you have multi-generational uh, families that generation after generation don't go to college. Mm. They don't get much education because generation after generation, the parents haven't valued it. And so they just keep on passing down a lack of respect for learning and that kind of thing. And it, and it keeps costing another generation. So lots and lots of examples of where very, very clearly you, you don't lead like you should. And look down line, it's going to cost people. Even your, I, I work with a lot of with, uh, CEOs of uh, secular businesses, and you lead your company well, you're going to have employees who are content, whose families are being blessed because they've got uh, parents and family members that are happily employed and, and have good benefits and are excited about their contribution to society. But uh, you don't lead a company well, 
you've got discontent. You've got people that are just uh, going through the motions, who hate their job, uh, who just live for the weekends. Well, that affects all their families. Um, and so many, many ways you could, you could delineate how poor leadership costs people all the way down the line. Yeah, yeah. Oftentimes we hear about, you know, the positive sides of leadership. And oftentimes when I'm, when I'm teaching people about leadership, I talk about the, the leadership family tree. You know, when you impact these yeah. people who impact people who impact people, there's an exponential positive impact that perhaps on the other side of eternity, you get to see all the people that you've impacted, uh, all the people yeah. that you've led, that there's, there's this legacy factor. But what you're describing, Richard, is kind of the inverse of that, the opportunity cost of if you don't lead well, there's all these people that you could perhaps have, have impacted or touched, whether through your kids, their, their kids, your grandkids, the generations to come, or through your employees. If you don't lead well, look at what's at cost. When you, you simply choose to grow, choose to, to not learn, choose to not be a student of leadership. Uh, that's fascinating. So, so let me ask you kind of a, a vulnerable question, Richard. Yeah. Um, some of the best leaders, we read this in scripture, we see it in the headlines. Some of the most impactful, most effective leaders have made some epic mistakes in their yeah. lives. Give us yeah. an example of something that, that was a mistake that you learned from that you're a better leader today because of something that was a failure in the past. Uh, well, you know, um, I was, it, I have said before, probably one of my greatest failures is oftentimes our failures stem from our strengths as well. Things that make us successful can also be our Achilles heel. And so, for, for instance, for me, something that's been a strength of mine is decision making. I, I like closure. I like, I like checking the box, and getting things done. And so, uh, for instance, if I was going to hire somebody, I would, we put out, uh, you know, here, here's a job posting, opening, we're taking, uh, we're taking applications uh, and uh, resumes, and so I'd, we'd collect resumes, and then I'd, I'd, I'd sort through them off. I was the one making that hiring decision, and uh, I would weed them out, the ones that obviously didn't make the cut, and I might find the top three resumes of the whole pile. I'd work those through, and until uh, and so I finally felt like, um, okay, this looks like the, the, the top one. And then I'd hire them, and then I would say, all right, all right good, that, that, that task is done. We filled that slot. That's one thing I, that not on my agenda anymore to have to worry about. My problem is that uh, sometimes the best person available was not the best person. Hmm. They were just the best person available at the time. Hmm. And I, I always try to pick the best person available, but uh, if I were just to say one of the mistakes I made uh, that, that cost my organization, uh, it would be that I, I, I did pick the best person available. I just, it's just that none of the people, none of those resumes were the one I should have hired. Hmm. I should have just looked at the stack and said, but they're just, what I'm looking for, what I really need is not yet here. And I just needed to learn, it's better to just have a vacancy than to have the wrong person fill a vacancy. And I just wanted to get the job filled because that was one, that was a task I could now say I've, I've done, I've accomplished. And I just did, I don't like stuff that's left undone. And, and normally that's a really good thing for a leader. You don't want to have a bunch of work that's unfinished and you, know, you want closure. But sometimes that, that positive uh, motivation can also be a negative. It can cause you to make decisions too quickly and just say, okay, uh, leaders decide, so I'm going to decide. Yeah. 
I remember when I was really working through that at one point, I read a biography on uh, Dwight Eisenhower, and uh, Eisenhower was being pressured as the supreme commander in the World War II to, to make a decision. And everybody was saying, come on, Dwight, you're the leader. Leaders decide. You, got, you need to make a decision. And Dwight said, you know, accountants, when they make a mistake, it costs people money. He said, when generals make a mistake, it costs people their life. Mm. And he said, and I, I've never forgot this, Dwight uh, Eisenhower said, I've determined not to make a mistake in a hurry. Hmm. He said, now I may make a mistake, but it won't be because I'm, I was in a hurry. I did all the homework, did all the due diligence, and as best I could, I tried to avoid making a mistake. But you, you do things in a hurry, you start making mistakes. Yeah. So that, that was a good word for me. It was just a secular biography, but... Um, so that, that I, I've said that's probably one of the areas where I, I sort of had to really watch myself because I like closure. I like, I don't like stuff piling on my desk with, with things that still have not been done. And so, uh, that often is a strength, but it can also lead to some epic fails. Yeah. And I could, I could only imagine that there's many leaders listening right now that I can empathize with that because they, they feel like, well, I'm the leader. I've got to make the call. I've got to make the decision, but it's not yet the right time. But if I don't make the call, there's a perception from other people around me that I'm not leading, that I'm not taking yeah. charge, but I'm and, being and, patient. You know, one thing I found, like, I work with CEOs of, of Fortune 500 companies, and, uh, and I said to them, you know what, you, you actually as a leader have the ability to slow things down. You know, a lot of times we're putting the pressure on ourselves. Uh, we can say, I'm not ready yet. We don't have the right information. We don't have the right people. Uh, but we, but we allow ourselves to get pressured sometimes into a time schedule that we don't, we don't need to. We can push back on that time schedule. And I, especially when I'm working with top leaders to say, well, why do you feel so rushed? Well, you know, people are expecting me to do this. I'd say, well, how, who's driving your leadership? Is it everybody's expectations or is it God? Is it, you know, who is it? And uh, a lot of times we're not, we don't have to be in as big of a hurry as we think we do. Yeah. We're putting that pressure on ourselves. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're going to take one more break and then we'll be back with Dr. Richard Blackaby right after this. All right, we uh, got one more section. We're a little bit over time, Richard, but that's okay. Uh, that happens to me. <laughs> yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's that's the benefit of podcast versus radio shows. You can just keep going and you make it however long or show or short you want. But on the radio, we got to make it a little bit tighter time. But that's okay. Um, we'll actually put the an entire uh, interview, the uncut one, online, and then the, the show will go out live, but or uh, recorded, but. Uh, all right, so when you come back from the break, uh, we don't have as much time as I'd like, but I, I, this is where I'd like to kind of get the, the secret sauce of, okay, what tips do you've got? What, what have you learned that are the most valuable leadership lessons? And again, we've got all sorts of different listeners. We've got CEOs, we've got pastors, we've got high school kids listening to this radio station. So across the board, most generic and most general, what are the best ways to lead, but in a way that's uh, the leader worth following in a, in a Christ-like, godly way. So we'll come back in just in just a second talk about that. Spread the encouragement. And share on Facebook. Tag a friend. Learn more at leaderworthfollowing.com. Want to be a leader worth following? Get free leadership training at leaderworthfollowing.com. You're listening to Leader Worth Following with Matt Mizell right here on Vertical Radio. All right, we are back on 88.9 Vertical Radio. This is Matt Mizell with Dr. Richard Blackaby. Richard, thanks for joining us today. 
and good uh, to be with you. Yeah, we're thankful for your insight. We've kind of we've dug into your background, your history, talked a little bit about toxic and poor leadership. But as we're wrapping up this episode that we, we've got together, I really, really want to pick your brain. I mean, we, we mentioned at the top of the show uh, your resume and all the ways that you're leading people. You've talked about how you lead uh, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. So obviously, you've got credentials, you've got um, wisdom when it comes to to leadership, but not just any leadership, godly leadership, biblical leadership. Yep. So. So what would you say in your experience, and again, we've got all sorts of different listeners in, on, on this show, but what would you say is the most valuable lesson or maybe a few of the most valuable lessons that you have learned as it relates to being a leader that's worth following? Well, one is just keep learning. Just keep learning. It doesn't matter. Some people can really beat themselves up and say, I'm not much of a leader, but you, you just don't stay where you are. That's just your starting point. Be reading books. Get, get someone to mentor you. Every time you, my attitude was anytime I saw anybody who had something I needed, I would just take them to lunch and say, hey, can, could you just answer some questions for me? Tell me about this. The worst kind of leaders are the ones who don't grow, who, who, mm. who say they don't have time to read. Uh, I just don't want to follow somebody who doesn't have time to grow. Uh, but secondly, be listening to God. My, my dad uh, kind of uh, showed me this. Uh, folks want to be around people who've heard from God, and anybody can hear from God. Any uh, a mom, stay-at-home mom, anybody can go into God's presence and know what's on God's heart. And it, it blows me away. I, I've had a CEO that traveled all the way from Hong Kong to Dallas, Texas, just to be in a 24-hour teaching period with me, just over a day. And uh, it's like, why would you, you you lead this huge company? You uh, like you, it's very expensive to fly all this way. Well, why would you do that? Your time is money. But but they're always looking for what they can learn, and what they would say is, you help me hear from God, and you have a word from God, and I, I need that. Uh, I'm in around this huge Fortune 500 company, but I, I want to hear from God and know what he thinks. And so what I've discovered is that's a powerful thing. If you have the ability to just seek God for situations, whether it's for your church, your business, your family, and you've got godly wisdom, there are people that highly value that. And it will give you great influence. Mm. And lastly, I just say, just care about your people. Just show interest in your people. Ask them questions. Notice things. Give them opportunities to grow. Give them opportunities to fail. Uh, and just be the kind of person, I, I've discovered the power of blessing. Especially leaders, you have the power to bless the people that you relate to. Uh, give them opportunities to grow. I used to let my people take classes. I used to let them get new opportunities, uh, let them try things, go to seminars. I wanted people under me to be growing. And if you get the reputation that if you work under this guy, he's going to get you opportunities to grow and expand and learn and try things, you'll never lack people that want to follow you. Hmm. Uh, but a lot of times we don't, we don't, we use the people around us, but we don't grow them. Nobody wants to be used. Nobody wants to give their life to try to make you successful. But if you're giving your life to make others successful, you'll never like people that want to volunteer their time or work under you. I've known people who've actually taken cuts in pay to work for me and for my dad. They've said, I'd rather work for less and work with you than make more money working under somebody else. Yeah. Well, that's just a sign of good leadership that people know they'll get a blessing if they work for you. So anybody can bless others if you're not self-centered, if you don't think that your leadership is just about you. 
So uh, let me encourage you, just if you if you have one child, how could I bless that child? If I've got two employees, one person that I manage, uh, ask yourself, how could I be a blessing to that person? And just every day ask yourself that question. And I'll tell you what, you'll never like people that want to follow your leadership. Yeah. Well, that that is good advice. Uh, so you're talking about the, the the first thing you mentioned, Richard, was the the intentionality to keep growing as a leader. So that leads me to this question. How are you continuing to grow? I mean, you got a lot of pedigree, you got a lot of things on your resume where you're leading other people, but how are you doing that? Who do you go to to help lead, uh, continue to help you lead and grow as a leader? Well, you know, I'm certainly I'm reading all the time. I've always got books. I never go anywhere. I don't go meet someone at a restaurant without a book in my hand. Otherwise, they'll be late for the appointment, and I'll be just staring mindlessly at the menu. <laughs> uh, I, I don't go anywhere without a book in my hand. I never get on an airplane without a book. Uh, I, I'm reading all the time. I, I've got a blog site where I list some book reviews of books I'm reading. I've got a podcast I do just trying to share what I'm learning, but I'm, I'm constantly trying to take in. So I do that. I'm also, I just have the privilege of being around some world-class leaders. And so every time I'm around them, I'm asking them questions. I, I'm, I, I was just with people that were voted CEO of the year, top executive in their field. And um, anytime I'm around people like that, I'm always asking them questions. And I'm always asking them, what are they reading? What is it that, what, what book have they read recently that just really challenged them and made them think? And I'm writing it down. I'm, I'll, I'll sit there on my phone and order it from Amazon before we've gotten up from lunch. Um, and it'll be waiting for me when I get home. Uh, and so I'm just constantly asking questions. You, you, you won't grow if you're doing all the talking, but if you ask questions, uh, you could be learning something every day. And, uh, those are the people that are the best leaders that I know. So I'm, I'm, I'm around people. I'm watching them. I'm observing. Uh, and I'm trying to be honest about my own effectiveness. We all have a kind of a distorted view of our own leadership. We think it's a lot better than it really is. Mm. We think we're a lot more approachable and teachable and humble than we really are. And so sometimes just getting a real, taking a hard look at yourself and the effectiveness. If year after year your organization is plateaued or declining, if you're a pastor and your church keeps losing members, or not reaching any new ones, if you're a company that hasn't been profitable in years, you are not a leader if you just keep blaming others for your lack of success. Mm. So take a hard look at yourself and say, uh, if I'm not having success like I should, are there some adjustments I need to make? And uh, that, that's a hard question, but if you really love your people and your organization, you'll ask that hard question and you'll make whatever adjustments are necessary until you're actually getting the kind of success that God wants you to have. Yeah. I love that. Having an honest look at yourself and just, you know, I've heard people say before, you're not as bad as what your worst critics say about you, but you're also not as good as, as your greatest fans, your most raving fans say about you. Yeah. You're somewhere and in the middle. We just want to ask our raving fans how are things going. Right. And, and, and I, one of the things I tried to do is always have people around me that I knew would tell me the truth, whether I wanted to hear it or not. And, uh, you know, if you isolate yourself and you just don't want to be around anybody who's going to challenge what you're doing, you won't grow. Mm-hmm. I need some people that will keep pushing me, and I may not even agree with everything they say, but it'll at least make me think over it carefully and check all the facts. Uh, and uh, and I need people like that because I can deceive myself and assume the best, uh, just like anyone else can. Yeah. And so, keep some people around you that'll love you enough to tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah. An enemy uh, multiplies kisses, but a true friend will will even tell you something that you don't want to want to necessarily hear. Uh, all right, so what book, when you're sitting waiting for somebody to meet meet you at the restaurant and you don't want to read the menu, what book are you reading right now that's challenging and making you think? 
Uh, you know, I've got about six books <laughs> I'm reading right now. Uh, you know, some very uh, the, a couple that were just recommended to me. I, I read reading one that was out a year or two ago called "Ego Is the Enemy." Just uh, it was a good book. I just finished that one up. Someone else had recommended to me uh, "The Death of Expertise," <laughs> that I've uh, just about finished. Uh, also very interesting about kind of where society is. It's kind of a interesting book I heard on a podcast I just picked up called "Why Liberalism Failed." Hmm. I'm reading a biography on William Gladstone right now. Elected about four different times as Prime Minister of England. Uh, that was uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm trying to go back to some. Um, I just read uh, Originals by Adam Grant. It's also very good. Um, is there any and, book that you, know, you can? That, is there any book that you can think back to that that you feel like, wow, this one really shaped me? Maybe not right now that you're reading, but maybe something in the last few months or a few years or even decades. This this book is a must read for for somebody that's listening right now. You know, uh, well, I, they're, they're kind of different areas. You know, I'm I'm kind of funny that way. I, I books that really impact me at the time, and then I I've moved on. I've read other books that are impacting me now. Uh, I, I love biography, so I read a great biography on D.L. Moody, one on Spurgeon, uh, one on Bonhoeffer. I you know I, I just I, I like. Um, leaders of biographies of Christian leaders I, I but then I there's some great biographies on some I've tried to read one on every US president um, mm. and there's some there's some classic ones out there uh, team of rivals is good from about Abraham Lincoln um, you know I and then there's a lot of just uh, devotional books uh, I love Andrew Murray um, read a lot of his stuff uh, some Spurgeon just uh, I, I really try to read a range and so you know I, I'd say in this area uh, this is this has been a great book uh, years ago I just read the book Spiritual Leadership by Oswald uh, Saunders it really got me on the journey of studying leadership it's kind of a, it's getting to be a bit dated but it's uh, still very good um, don't you very, have your own don't you have your own book of spiritual leadership yeah, I do. And that, we named it after that because that had been the most influential book I'd, I'd read. And I just huh. thought there's just not a better title than I just took the same title. I have a different subtitle. Yeah. Ours is Moving People Onto God's Agenda, but it, the, the primary title is Spiritual Leadership. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm just, I, I probably, I used to just plow through one book at a time a little bit more. Now I've, I'm also just reading through some of the classics. I just finished, I never read Pilgrim's Progress and, uh, <laughs> That's such an influential book. I, I read that a little bit earlier this year and really enjoyed it. It's, uh, you know, some of those classics are a little harder to read in English, uh, and yet you slow down and read some of them and it just, you find it very impactful. And, uh, I read, uh, Pursue the Holy by, uh, Tozer a year or two ago. Again, it's, you know, came out in, I think, the 60s, but, uh, it's one of those books that, you just, every chapter you just stopped and just caught your breath and said, mm. wow. You know, that's deep. And yeah. uh, there's some books like that you just need to fill your soul with. And so uh, whenever anyone tells me they're too busy to read, I just tell them, you you clearly are not managing your time well. Mm. Because there is, time, there is time to read. Yeah, Anybody can have time to read if you really make it a priority. Right. You may be a slow reader, uh, you, so it'll take you longer to finish a book, but that doesn't mean you can't be reading. Uh, and, you know, read a chapter a week and meditate upon it. But uh, keep growing. Keep filling your mind with with high-level thoughts from people who are great thinkers. Uh, stretch your mind. It's like a muscle. We've got too many people that are not learning how to think well these days. We're, yeah. we're getting all of our ideas pre-digested by other people. And uh, God's people, God's leaders need to know how to think. Yeah. 
Well, one of the things that I do is I, I listen to podcasts several years ago. I switched when I, when I do runs and I go out into the, the Mesa, I go out on a trail. <laughs> I bring my little, uh, my phone with me and I used to listen to music and now I only listen to podcasts and, and, uh, yeah, leadership. I do and that books too. And, I did that this morning. Yeah. Well, the bummer though, and maybe you have a solution for this. I, I want to take notes and I want to write things down, but I'm huffing and puffing yeah. out there on the trail and I'm like, ah, I don't have anything to write with. You got any solutions for yeah. that? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I do, that's why for books, I, have, I haven't really gone to electronic books. I, I know you can, you, you know, you can highlight stuff now, and, but I still like to have a pen and underline passages. And yeah. with podcasts, what, what I, what I do is when I get back home, if they, if they mention a book or something, uh, I'll, I'll right away, I'll watch fresh. I'll, they'll put, you know, go purchase those books or look them up and uh and so if there's something i've heard on i mean i, I can't run all that long i'm i try to get up to 5k so <laughs> it's never all that long that i'm out there running before i can take notes yeah. <laughs> but uh, but still you know you still fill in your mind that's yeah i do that podcast now when i'm driving it just automatically syncs to my radio and so as soon as i get in the car i'm listening to some podcast or somebody and so it's, it's just like I, I could just listen to classic rock and roll or whatever but um Instead, I'm actually being challenged with some guy who's making me think. And uh, you, you can overload on that, but there's a lot of time uh, that we waste that we could actually be enriching ourselves. Right. Yeah, being more intentional with the, the time that you've got built in with the margin. Use that time. For, you're not just working out. You're not just sitting at a red light, not just sitting in traffic, but use that time intentionally to grow. Like you said, there's, yeah. there's time and if we there, prioritize there are, You can see there's a lot of time that's being wasted right now. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of, we got to come and wrap up this show, but I got a couple questions for you as we wrap up, and these are just going to be rapid fire questions. The sure. uh, reason I want to ask some of these questions is because sometimes people might be listening to an interview like this and be like, well, you know, this is Dr. Richard Blackerby, and he's got all these pedigrees, and he's got all this education, and he's, he's the leader of all these different Talk organizations. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, yeah, bring him on the radio. Uh, but, but the truth is, is that you're, you're just a man. You know, and, and yeah. I don't mean that in an offensive way, but you're, you're, you have the same 24 hours. You put your pants on presumably one leg at a time, just like the rest of us. Uh, yeah. so, so, uh, you know, I just want to ask you some questions that, that make you, uh, perhaps a little bit more relatable to people because you have your own interests, your, your desires, your passions in life. And so, uh, you're just a person that wants to serve other people and lead well, um, yeah. anyway, so that being said, I got a couple of random questions for you. First one is this, what is your favorite food? You know, I, I love food in general, but I, but Mexican. I love Mexican food. If I'm just going to spoil myself, I'll yeah. probably go get some. <laughs> enchilada, burrito, what's your what's your Oh, go-to? enchilada, yeah. I'll get the enchilada platter every time. Nice. Yep. All right, favorite dessert? <laughs> dessert? Yeah. Oh, well, I love cheesecake, but again, I'm, I am I love pie, any kind of pie, like coconut cream especially. All right. Uh, that is not in the Mexican category, but I will accept your answer. No, I have to kind of <laughs> spread out for that. <laughs> yeah, you're very diverse. Uh, all right, Richard, what's your favorite movie? Um, you know, that's a harder one. That's, uh, I'm not sure I could, I don't know on that one. I don't really go to a lot of movies anyway. Yeah. So um, uh, that might be a hard one for me. That's all right. Uh, one of my favorites is Remember the Titans. I uh, I, I always yeah. like the, the lessons that we can get from that, but it's also an entertaining movie and uh, challenging There are movie. some classic kind of leadership ones that I've used and, and that I have enjoyed, but um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a huge movie person, so... Yeah, that's okay. Uh, another question, what do you do to blow off steam? You mentioned running. Anything else that you do? 
Uh, you know, well, I want to say running is one of the, has become a big one there. I, that's, that's great. You just need to get out there and get fresh air and put all your energy into something constructive. So I'm not, I, I wasn't, I was into a lot of sports growing up, but not just running. Mm-hmm. But in, in recent days, that's great because you can just do that any day. Yeah. All right. Favorite vacation destination? Uh, you know, uh, right, recently, the last several years, we've been going to Destin, Florida. Every year, got actually got a friend that has a place on the on the beach, <laughs> uh, and that's bad. been just really nice. I was watching the dolphins swim by, and uh, and uh, I, I do a lot of work at the, while I'm on vacation. Usually, I'm re- I'm reading and and getting some thoughts together and studying. But uh, I just do my best thought when I can hear waves rolling into shore. Yeah, I think everybody probably has their best thoughts with the <laughs> waves rolling through the shore. <laughs> All right, two more questions. Uh, if you had a T-shirt, if you were forced to wear a T-shirt that had one word on it for one year, what word would you pick to be on your T-shirt? Mm. You know, one of the big words for me right now is focus. Mm. I think it just be focus. Nice. All right, one thing that somebody in our listening audience would be surprised to learn about you. Uh, hmm. well, I've recovered two stolen cars. <laughs> One of <laughs> wow. them while the driver was still in it. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I was in college then. I was young and crazy. But, uh, yeah, I had two cars stolen from me, and, and I've recovered them both. And one uh, actually was in a high-speed chase in my girlfriend's car and uh, caught him and actually yanked him out of the car. And, uh wow. So yeah, I, I crazy now. I, it's amazing. I'm still alive today. But um, <laughs> man, there's a whole there's a whole other side to you with, with uh, that. <laughs> yeah. I, and now I'm envisioning you, you know, speeding down the highway and doing a pit maneuver on your car. And <laughs> yeah, well, my wife, my girlfriend at the time was yelling at me. Slow. We're going through un, un, uncontrolled intersections at night, and she was yelling at me to slow down. But we That's didn't awesome. get the car back without well, any damage. So that good was for uh, you. <laughs> that was a memory. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. All right. Uh, yeah. One final question. This is our closing thought. If people were to walk away with one step, one nugget of knowledge, one uh, action that they, they could take to become a leader worth following, what would you leave them with? What's your one closing thought as far as how to become a better leader? Find a, find a way to grow today. Mm. Whether, I don't care if it's a podcast, it's a book, it's talking to a friend. Um, find There are so many ways to grow. We're without excuse. So find a way to grow today and every day. Find at least something that can help you grow. Your family, your kids, people you work with, people in your church. So I'll be glad that you did. Hmm. And, and I presume that some of our listeners right now have just done that because they just listened to you and your wisdom and your device. So, mm, well, I hope thank, so. You, thank you, Doctor. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your experience and your willingness to carve out some time and share it with our listeners today. My pleasure. All right. Well, that is Dr. Richard Blackaby. Now, uh, Doctor, where can people find out more information and or connect with you? Well, uh, our ministry is at uh, www.blackaby.org. And uh, I've got a, a blog site at just richardblackaby.com and a podcast at the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. And I just try, well, I just try when I'm reading stuff, trying to just put it out there so people can benefit from what I'm learning as well. Awesome. Well, uh, you have helped us grow and helped uh, our, our listeners grow in their understanding of what leadership is. And if you want to connect with Dr. Richard Blackaby, he's got those ways you can connect. And also, you've got that spiritual leadership book that you, you co-authored as well. Where, where can people find your book? 
you can get that on Amazon. Or you can, get, of course, get it at our website as well. Just go to the store. But it's it's used as a textbook in a lot of different universities and schools, mm. and uh, we're we're really pleased with how many people have used that book and uh, and find it as a kind of a go-to resource on leadership. It's called the uh, Spiritual Leadership. And what what was the subtitle again? Called uh, Moving People onto God's Agenda, and it's uh, my dad Henry Blackaby and I are the co-authors of that. Awesome. Well, cool. Well, uh, I appreciate your time, appreciate your expertise, and your willingness to serve our audience today by sharing how to become a leader worth following. Richard, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. It'd be good to be with you. Learn more from Matt Mizell at leaderworthfollowing.com. Thanks for listening to Leader Worth Following. Here's a sneak peek at next week's show. Thank you again, Richard, for being a guest on tonight's show. Next week, we have an associate pastor from the state of Washington joining us. His name is Steve Osborne, and he's going to provide us with some insight on how to create God-honoring priorities. Join us next week for that episode. May God bless you and your family. Don't just be a leader. Be a leader worth following. Leader Worth Following. Produced by Sean Kelly and Devin Neely. Special thanks to this week's guest. For more information, visit leaderworthfollowing.com.